Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, Eric Green. Eric, how are you on this uh, cold, snowy Thursday morning? I'm all right. How are you doing, Blake? I'm okay, man. I'm in the process of changing computers because my... I, I generally, I keep three computers, which I know sounds insane, um, but sometimes I need to be working on multiple things at once. Anyway, my desktop crapped out. It's It was 10 years old, uh, and not having that has made things like cutting video challenging. So I'm in the process of switching over my computer, which is kind of exciting uh, and also uh, kind of a pain and slowing me down a little bit this morning. So I'm okay. Well, 10 years, had a good run. Can't be... Uh... Can't be mad at that. The longest relationship I've ever had by far. Yeah, well, I think that would go for a lot of people our age. Yeah, should if you're with if you've been with someone ten years, ten years, at thirty one or thirty two. Come on. I know some people, but it's definitely the definitely rare. Almost all of my friends from high school married their high school sweethearts. So. Yeah. Um, of my close friends, nobody nobody did. Anyway. Yeah. I don't have many close friends. Yeah, that's it's just. I don't, me. Have, I don't have many friends. It's just me yeah. and Walter. Yeah. How is Walter? He's currently lying on the floor, about uh, twenty feet from me. Um, probably ready for a walk soon, but he's just you know napping away, pretty calm. He's a good boy. That's good. He seems like a good boy. I'm excited to meet him at some point in the yeah. future. Probably not until the season ends. Who knows though. Maybe yeah. I'll bring him to uh, a playoff practice. There's no way you're bringing him to a practice. I'll just keep him tied up outside. That'll be a great decision for everybody. Yeah, you just got to make sure it's the day that Apollo uh, Norm's dog comes as well. Yeah, they can have a play date. There you go. Yeah, pitch, pitch traded, that to Norm. Too, I, I bet that'll go yeah. over really well. Too bad they traded Terry or else... Uh, Another husky in the mix, that yeah. Could be had. yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Eric, since we last Blake. talked... There have been a couple of very big Raptors games. Not big in the sense that they're playoff games, but big in the sense that they are, whether the team wants to admit it or not, somewhat of a measuring stick. Uh, big in the sense that it more or less determined that the Raptors will get the one seed in the Eastern Conference. And big in the sense that uh, some anxieties that had been slipping in over the last couple of weeks as the Raptors went on a 3-5 and five stretch uh, came to the forefront. Uh, they lost to Boston in a fashion that was fairly familiar to the Raptors. Uh, they lost to Cleveland in a fashion that is much too familiar to the Raptors. Uh, they they did bounce back on Wednesday night. Uh, second night of a back-to-back, they beat Boston with one of their best defensive efforts of the season. Uh, Boston was shooting like you or I would against an NBA defense. They committed lots and lots of turnovers. Uh, it, was, it was a nice bounce back. Overall, though, the last three games... The last three weeks um, haven't been the most rousing uh, of cases that the Raptors are in playoff form uh, a week and a half out here from the playoffs. Yeah, you're certainly on the whole, you're not feeling that great about what the Raptors uh, or where the Raptors are right now. Offensively, you know, I they missed shots in, in a lot of cases. The Cleveland game, I absolutely, while that was probably like the least inspiring effort of the three, I also felt they missed like probably the most wide open shots in those games. 
in that game in particular, and, and not just three-pointers. You know, DeLon Wright blew a layup. Jonas blew a few chippies on, you know, some, uh, you know, contested floaters, but shots he expects to hit. Uh, and there were more open threes that were missed from everybody else. Uh, it's funny because the three games were were actually cl- quite different. Tiger Woods just birdied, in case you're interested in that, uh, on his third hole. I am. Um, Talk to me more when it's Sunday red time. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not a four-day uh, Masters watcher. But that will that will clash with WrestleMania, the the end of the end of the round Sunday's round. Well, look, Eric, uh, there are bigger things that are threatening to clash with WrestleMania right now, and I don't want to talk about it until the end of this podcast when we talk for fifteen minutes about WrestleMania (laughs) to tick people off. Okay. Anyway, uh, against Boston, I thought you could be pretty pleased with the process, if certainly not the result. Now, the fourth quarter was a unmitigated disaster, but in a lot of ways, it was the inverse of what happened to the Celtics in the second quarter on Wednesday. I, I'm gotta be, I have to make sure that I get my days right, because I really don't have much certainty about what day it is. Today is Thursday. Um, you know, the Raptors were turning it over. They faced a zone and couldn't really figure out what to do. But the defense on the whole wasn't bad. I think they only let up uh, 17 three-point attempts. Uh, Boston shot 46%. So it wasn't like there were mistakes all over the place. But they were definitely, um, you know, taken advantage of from a size standpoint. Uh, especially Marcus Morris on whoever was guarding him. Uh, that was... A bit of a nightmare, and you it's know, a lot I always, of CJ Miles getting posted up. Yeah, and I always, I always sort of liked that uh, that trade for for uh, Boston. I, I know a lot of people were uh, worried that they would be losing their perimeter defense uh, with the trade of Avery Bradley, but Morris is a nice player, uh, especially in this matchup, and, and that's what was interesting about the game on Wednesday is at some point the Raptors just sort of punted and said, okay, we're going to go small. These are our best two-way players, even if we're giving something up. And it largely worked. And, you know, it largely worked because, or at least in part, because Boston had one functional semi-healthy point guard, (laughs) but it worked nonetheless. But you got to, you know, overall, you got to be concerned about where the defense is at. It's been a bad month. Uh, And the shooting is just not where you want it to be right now. Uh, so, yeah, I, in, on the whole, it's, it wasn't, uh, you know, these four games, even though we know where they're going to finish, it'd be nice to see them put some complete effort together. Yeah, beating, you know, coming out on Friday and beating Indiana emphatically, because Indiana is a good team, uh, would probably go a long way uh, if they play Indiana like they have the last couple times, maybe less so. Um, to a couple of your points, you know, the shooting being down a little bit the last little while is obviously a concern, not because it means they're a worse team uh, anymore. Like, they're still the number one offense in basketball since the Rockets game, uh, even with the shooting kind of dipping a little bit. I think it just highlights that, you know, with this new strategy, when things when the three-point shots aren't dropping, offense is going to be a little tougher to come by. It's something you and I have talked about all year long with the, the high-variance nature of threes. And we've also seen how easy it comes to them when they do hit, you know, 45 50% of those. So uh, there are going to be playoff games where they shoot like 30% on threes. That's just what happens with threes. Yeah. 
And I asked Fred Van Vliet about that uh, afterward, after the game in Cleveland, uh, because, you know, they still got up 33 threes in that game, which is a lot. But there were instances where it seemed like they were getting away from it a bit. And he said what you want them to say, right? You know, no, like we've been doing this for 75 games. We can't get away from that. And that's right. You would like to see more free throws in the mix. And that's been a problem. Uh, again, that might not be the worst thing in the playoffs based on how the whistle changes. We've talked about that as well, but you, you want some sort of balanced attack that uh, allows you to compete even when the threes aren't going down at a at least you know near reasonable rate, which they haven't been over the last three games. Yeah, uh, consider me I, consider I, me not worried that Demar Derozan won't be able to get free throws if it comes down to it. Yeah, but uh, the defense is where the problems lie, and you know the Cleveland game uh, was especially bad for that you know they got you know lebron james they used lebron james as a screen setter basically uh lowry was unable to navigate those very well uh og ananobi justifiably did not want to leave lebron on the roll <laughs> and there were issues and jose calderon inflicted sweet sweet revenge from the Toronto Raptors. Look, Eric, I've been saying all year that as good as the Raptors' defense has been, you know, Jose Calderon is the one guy who could bust it. I've said that all year long. There's like a non-zero chance he starts for the Cavs at some point in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be... And not even, not even injury-related. Like, they might just decide that's good for them. Yeah, I think what, what might bring that on is if, you know, you, they like starting small once in a while in certain matchups with Love at the five and LeBron at the four. If Jeff Green becomes a problem offensively, and he hasn't been, even though he's shooting only 29%, he's done enough to keep himself on the floor and been a defensive factor even when he kind of gets beat off the dribble. Um, you know, if that, I think that's the spot where they'd maybe look at maybe another ball handler on the floor is, uh, is good for them uh, or another shooter if, you want to consider Jose that instead of a instead of a ball handler, but he is all things Jose Calderon. He is all things to all people. Yes, what a wonderful human except, being. except a good pick and roll defender in combination with Andrea Bargnani. Yes, but uh, the Cavs don't employ Andrea Bargnani, and Kyle Lowry was not capable of giving Jose Calderon the business at that end of the floor on Tuesday. Uh, Lowry, he, uh, yeah, he that was every so often, about five or six times a year. And, you know, people are drawing uh, causation instead of just correlation between choices that he made on Monday evening, which we can or not get into based on your feeling. I don't really feel the need to go over it. I don't really care. That was a empty. No, I was going to say empty calories. There were no calories. It was I mean, you know, that's good if you're eating something, but he just provided nothing. Uh, That was one of his you know, worst performances of the year, and the Raptors are going to struggle beating uh, any playoff team if he plays that poorly in any game. Yeah, he had not a great statistical bounce back on Wednesday. He had 13 points, five assists, uh, only two of seven on threes, which, you know, he has not, he's not shot the ball particularly well over the last five games, which heading into the playoffs is maybe a concern. 34.5% overall, 29.7%. On threes over the last five, um, small sample for threes and stuff like that. But I thought he looked better last night. He was very engaged. He was strong defensively. He took a, a couple more charges to make sure he ends the season leading the league in that category and taking Ursan Ilyasova's title away from him. 
Um, so in terms of the defense, one thing that surprised me is I, I dove into the numbers at Impredictable a little deeper. Um, Chris Black of Sports that had pointed out the Raptors dropped from uh, dropped to 24th since the Rockets game. So using the arbitrary endpoints of between the Rockets game and between last night's game, the Raptors, it wasn't the transition defense that was as big an issue, which surprised me when I got into the numbers. Um, what was much more a concern was their half-court defense had fallen from uh, 12th after dead balls and makes to 29th during that stretch. Do you think they hit a point at all where Dwayne Casey, you know, I've written at length about the pick and roll strategy and how it's been so successful over 82 games. Do you think they hit a point in this slide where Dwayne Casey considers tweaking it or is that going to be, you know, how they defend the pick and roll going to be entirely matchup based in round one? Yeah, I don't think we're coming to any, you know, full stop stylistic changes at this point. I, I think it's going to be determined who they play. Uh, it's going to be determined determined uh who's on the floor for the raptors you know as as we saw with their uh you know very interesting second quarter lineup last night you know they they will change things up based on you know if cj miles is your four and lucas nagara is your five they're not going to play pick and rolls exactly the same way the zone uh, busters yes um We'll have to talk about that in a bit. But, yeah, I mean, like, I wrote uh, about uh, it today. I don't know if we really need to talk about the, the no. zone. I do I, – I want to talk about that lineup, so let's come back to Not it. Not the zone. The lineup is okay. what I yeah. meant. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. They uh, they did some fun things. Uh, I was shocked to see that they had played a minute together before last night. That was, uh, that was a surprise. Was that the three-point guard Miles Noguera lineup? Yeah, like that fivesome had played – a minute. I don't know. There, which there were also some other weird ones, like the three point guard Abaka Noguera. I can't imagine had played. Yeah, yeah I didn't check that one. Abaka yeah. and Noguera just really haven't played much together at all. Um, it's because Noguera hasn't played that much. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> you know, I, I I enjoyed that once again. The last two games, uh, there's been this. Oh wow, I can't believe Bebe is playing so well. From the same people who have been saying that after every Bebe game for three years now. Yeah. Oh, hashtag hashtag actually good. Yeah. Uh, I do. So the question I wanted to ask you about those lineups, though, I know they won the game. I know it shows a good in-game adjustment. Uh, I like that Dwayne Casey has continued to show flexibility and that he'll try new things. This close to the playoffs, though, do you have an issue at all with him trotting out lineups and players like Lucas Doguera who probably don't factor into the playoffs at all? Like, are, are you... I don't think last night he was necessarily punishing Jonas Valanciunas, who only played 13 minutes because Noguera ran with both of, uh, you know, he yeah. played the entire second and the entire fourth, basically. Um, and, you know, Norman Powell still has roughly a place in this team. But do you have, do you take issue at all with, you know, playing in a way and playing players who might not factor in so close to the playoffs, especially when this was one of your last kind of testing games? No, Um like we see every year that even in the playoffs, coaches start to use five man groups that haven't played at all with each other in like game one or game two. Uh, you know, and this was sort of given that they played the Celtics four or five nights earlier, this was, you know, a quasi playoff situation uh, when a specific issue. I'd say an issue on both ends, both the zone and the, you know, the bigger front court uh, presented problems for them in Boston and they went to a different look in order to combat those. Uh, so I think that's what a good coach does 
in a perfect world, you would have, you know, nine players who are all two-way threats, uh, and you could, you know, mix and match as you see fit. But, you know, the Raptors only have so many two-way players. And even then, those guys, you know, like Fred Van Vliet, great defender for his position, uh, but he's can be exploited in certain matchups defensively. Uh, so I I thought it was solid coaching. It's not ideal, but not everything is coming together ideally. I don't I don't think that's you know any sort of mystery, and I don't think it should be glossed over. Like Dwayne Casey is gonna have to make some important decisions on the fly in the postseason, and it's good that he has lots of weapons uh, to choose from, but there might not be a lot of easy decisions and it might be that it does take him another, you know, a game more than uh, you would like to, to land on the right answer. And then we'll hear on Twitter that Dwayne Casey's a terrible in game coach, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We're, well, we're going to hear that no matter what. Yeah. We are well, unless they, unless no, they no. go 12 and 0. Uh, they could, they could do that and you'd still get it. Because <laughs> they went twelve and zero the wrong way. Um, it, so one, I I feel differently about this than I think I would if it was anyone other than Lucas Nogueira. Like in general, if they were shoehorning minutes to, or not shoehorning minutes, but if they were going away from the way they're going to play in the playoffs or risking the confidence of certain players at this time, it would be one thing. But I still maintain, like you know, how I feel about Lucas Nogueira as a player. I still maintain that there are going to be some playoff matchups where he's useful. So I really don't mind Nogueira, you know, staying on the periphery of the rotation and being called on a little bit here um, and playing well to show that he can be relied on after another one of these long lulls on the bench. Because you look at potential playoff opponents and there might be a spot for Bebe because he does, you know, we talk about how the zone matchup for Boston, bred some mistakes for the Raptors out of unfamiliarity or how, um, you know, different lineups the first time you see them can sometimes succeed because there's not a lot of experience playing against them. Well, Bebe is kind of Toronto's big change of pace guy uh, in terms of style and rim protection. So um, I could see him. I could see him factoring into a playoff series. And look, like the bench, and when I say the bench, I mean the most frequently used five-man bench unit, just didn't play good in the first Boston and then the Cleveland games. Like, they were exploited in different ways. I don't think they were the reason they lost in Cleveland, certainly. Um, but you've, you know, Masai Ujiri has built this roster that you can, I mean, say whatever you want about Norman Powell, but there's reason to believe in 12 players at different times. And Casey would, you know, be neglectful not to use that at times. And, uh, the Siakam Pirtle front court has been awesome this year, but it hadn't been awesome in those two matchups. So, uh, and then it hadn't been awesome to start the second quarter against Boston uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so I thought it was, you know, totally fine management of the roster. Good. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about from Cleveland Boston, or can we move forward? Um, LeBron's good. That's, That's not going to change. No. Maybe ever. He might be the first 55-year-old MVP. He could do it. Except except if they swoon in January that year. Yeah, obviously. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so LeBron James is very good. Uh, that's probably, you know, that's a whole discussion worth having in the either the second or the third round of the playoffs. We'll see. Let's look at the standings. The Raptors more or less. Away. The Raptors more or less locked up the one seed on Wednesday. They're three games up on Boston. Each team has four left. Their magic number is down to one because the Raptors own the tiebreakers. I have trouble seeing the Raptors losing out to Indiana, Orlando, Detroit, and Miami. Uh, Boston probably won't win out either. Um, so the Raptors are probably the one seed. I know most people are focused on who lands in the three seed because that will shift uh, Toronto's second round matchup, obviously. Um, or, yeah. Yeah, the 4-5 will, sh- will determine Toronto's second round matchup. Uh, right now, Cleveland and Philadelphia are tied for third and fourth. Indiana looks mostly locked into fifth. Uh, Jacob Goldstein's odds that he updates every day have a 50.6% chance of Philly finishing third, which would be less great for the Raptors, and a 49% chance of Cleveland finishing third, which would be more great for the Raptors. Uh, Eric, that's obviously looking past a first-round opponent, but you... I mean, the Raptors can't do anything about it at this point, but you you certainly want well, the only in the three-seed, obviously. The only right? thing they could do is beat Miami in the last game of the year. That's the only game that might affect this. Yeah, but even that wouldn't affect 3-4-5. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What do so, I want? Yes, you prefer Cleveland finish, finishing third, unless you're of the mindset that it's better to face Cleveland early than later. Uh, I don't as, think it. As someone whose income depends on how far the Raptors go, I would rather see Cleveland later. And I also just think it's you know, I mean, yes, uh, but also if if you're a Raptors fan, it's more fun if they play more. Also, I I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people make the point that Cleveland is all you measure by, so it doesn't matter when you face them. I do think there's also value in, you know, in terms of building up your organization to make another conference finals run. I think it's important to get guys that experience. It's an extra six or seven playoff games if you make another playoff round. It's more time to evaluate these guys and evaluate how they look in different matchups and and things like that. So I think there's, there's a lot of benefit to playing more in the playoffs than just, oh, well, you know, it's all coming down to Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. And to the Raptors' point, they already did what they could do, uh, losing twice to Cleveland heroically. Uh, so, uh, and it's not their fault that Philly has had the easiest schedule in basketball over the last few weeks. I believe they play my team in the consolation bracket of the Toronto Sport and Social Club tonight. Uh, so that should be another win for them. Um, what was although, that last part? What about the Toronto Sporting Social Club? They're playing the the Sixers are playing my team in the consolation bracket tonight. That's how easy their schedule has been. Oh boy, you guys, you guys have been brutal this year. We got a big tie last week. Wow! Uh, I Good hit, for you I guys. hit a, I against our arch rivals who we beat in the championship last year. Um, okay. I hit a, yeah, I hit a layup with. 30 seconds left to, to tie it. We missed the playoffs one. by one point. We finished fifth out of ten. So we're the we're at the top of the consolation side, but uh, missed the playoffs by yeah. one point. I would like to think that our winless record with me not there is why we're not in the playoffs. Um, there's no, I mean, there's certainly plausible deniability uh, until you know. Anyway. Yeah. So, the six, uh, seven, yeah, eight there's, seed. There's, there's, more... no, there's, let, let me just, sorry, finish on, okay. on that. Like, there is, there's value in being around as long as possible for the fans, for your sake, for how it looks around the league. At the same time, if you get to the conference final 
in the in those fashion that they did two years ago, I don't know how much equity it builds. Um, I think, and I think people did pay attention to that. You know, as it it's like a running joke that that was the least compelling conference final run in the last ten years or, or whatever. So I, I think it matters, but you know how they play in general. Like if they have a you know a good five game win in the first series and then like legitimately push the Cavs in the second series and end up losing that's more valuable than squeaking by, squeaking by, and getting swept. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I just uh, mean so, that the, the idea that, you know, only Cleveland matters is a little reductive. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So the 6-7-8 is far more um, not meaningful necessarily because the Raptors will be favored fairly significantly in any first-round series at this point. Um However, it, it's certainly obviously it's, it comes first in the calendar. You have to win the first round before you worry about Cleveland. Um, it's also incredibly interesting. The Miami Heat are a half game up on the Washington Wizards and the Milwaukee Bucks. All three teams have clinched a playoff spot now. Detroit is out of here. Uh, Stan Van Gundy probably also out of here. Uh, but Miami, Washington, Milwaukee separated by a half game. You look at Jacob Goldstein's uh, projections. I, I'm using his uh, basketball reference, 538 ESPN's BPI. They all use them, too. Um, I like Jacob's methodology best. Right now, he has it at a 44.9% chance that the Raptors draw Washington in round one. 45.5% chance it's Milwaukee. And just a 9.6% chance that you get to go to Miami, Eric. Well, I'm looking good for booking a Washington hotel about a week ago before any of my other traveling colleagues did. Well, there you go. Take that, Gumby. Just straight flexing. Straight flexing here. Okay, so those are the percentage odds. If, if you really want to get granular with it, uh, Miami has a game at the Knicks and then versus Oklahoma City and Toronto at home. Uh, they have no back-to-backs left. Those three games take place over the final, what, we, seven days of the season. Um, so they should be in a position... You know, those are two tough games, Oklahoma City and Toronto. Uh, the Raptors might not care a whole lot about that last one. Uh, but Miami should be able to go, you know, probably 2-1 and one over those. You look at Washington, they are in Cleveland tonight and then back home to play Atlanta on a back-to-back on Friday um, while half of Atlanta's team is playing for the Erie Bayhawks against Raptors 905 in the G League Conference Finals Friday night. And then Washington has uh, Boston at home and they're at Orlando. Uh, both of those sets are back-to-back. So maybe a little rest or fatigue there. The Boston game could be tough because that's how Boston is. Uh, but they'll probably and also in back to backs. Who knows if they play John Wall? Yeah, uh, yeah. But still, factor. Washington could be expected to go two and two or maybe three and one. And then Milwaukee plays Brooklyn at home. Then they're at New York, back home for Orlando, at Philadelphia in the final day of the season. Uh, that Philadelphia Milwaukee game on the final day of the season certainly looms large for how the Eastern Conference table will shake out. Uh, obviously, with three and four games left for each of these guys, it's really tough to figure who might land where because the the swings of one bad loss or one good win are so dramatic. Eric, do you have? I think we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but is there one of these teams that you would be most confident against if you're the Toronto Raptors? I mean, they all present problems, and I don't. You know, none of them. Like, frankly, Indiana's the team that I would prefer the Raptors to play from the Raptors' perspective, but they've been very good this season and have earned whatever 
happens to them in a four or five matchup, although that might be Cleveland. I guess the odds slightly favor it being Cleveland. Um, I, I think I would prefer Miami uh, from the Raptors' perspective by a hair over Milwaukee, uh, just because of the lack of you know a dominant player. And saying that Miami presents so many defensive problems, they have a bunch of long, active defenders who would make life very difficult on Lowry and DeRozan. Uh, they are one of the few teams that can go nearly as deep as the Raptors can um, and combat a bunch of different lineups. So that would be a tough series. I just think ultimately they would have a difficult time scoring uh with uh, with the raptors um so that they'd be my choice then milwaukee washington would be last uh i think there's a mental aspect for washington plus uh washington's just played them well this year and i believe all four times without wall so that could be tricky yeah and then you factor in that john wall is um fairly well suited to attack toronto's pick and roll scheme on the defensive end um, I think they would have to adjust and start going under a lot against John Wall. John Wall's shooting 36% on threes this year, uh, so maybe you don't want to go under too aggressively anymore, but you also don't really want John Wall getting ahead of steam at your bigs, and you certainly don't want to send too much help because he'll spray out uh, to shooters, and Washington is fourth in the NBA in three-point percentage. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a pretty good team who's been hit by a big unfortunate injury and, and a few others, and... Uh... Look, that's going to be that would be a tough matchup, and the Raptors have some demons with that particular matchup. But what a what a great way to start things! Uh, yeah. Exercise them. Yeah, it's what you do to demons. Yes, I don't. Uh, yeah, just a little cardio gets rid of them right away. Uh, anyway, I don't. Uh, I I agree that Washington is the worst of those three outcomes. Uh, I disagree with you on the Milwaukee Miami, but again, it's by a hair. I just, Milwaukee still hasn't figured it out defensively. Um, Milwaukee is really, really good at employing Giannis. And I'm not sure what else they're good at. Yeah, still. and that's fair. And it's just a matter of how how scared you are of that. I'm scared. Uh, it's never, it's never yeah, great no, to not have the best player in a series. Yeah, none of these matchups is, as I said, is good is one that fans are going to feel you know not that Raptors fans ever feel comfortable but by their by their standards feel comfortable in um there's going to be issues wherever wherever it is uh whoever it is but uh yeah I'd lean slightly Miami you'd lean slightly Milwaukee but I think we're sort of aligned in that it's tricky either way Yes. Okay. Let's let's wrap this up on a different note because we're half an hour in. I mentioned Raptors 905 are in the Eastern Conference Finals on Friday. Eric, your thoughts on the Erie Bayhawks? Um, I have some worries about the Bayhawks. Are ability. you even sure right now that the Erie Bayhawks is a team name that is that actually exists and I didn't just make that up? Uh, yes. I did know they were called the Erie Bayhawks. Okay. Um, I don't know who plays for them. And I, even though you said it earlier in this uh, podcast, I don't know whose affiliate they are. Did you say Atlanta? The Atlanta Hawks. And they hmm. are loaded with NBA talent. Josh McGett? Come on. 
a 28 year old rookie how could you not how could you not want yeah. your G League go out go out and get it yeah andrew white is, is killing it tyler kavanaugh who hit some threes against the raptors at one point they got Ooh. guys jeremy evans former what? dunk contest champion oh wow uh so this could be it for the the raptors you'd think but that's looked to be the case at other points too um the reason I bring this up is because if the Raptors 905 win on... Sorry, not the Raptors 905. If Raptors 905 win on Friday, game one, game one of the G League Finals will take place Sunday. Eric, do you know what else takes place Sunday? Raptors Magic. And? Um, the final round of the Masters. Yes, all of those things, um, which get lower precedent than WrestleMania. The grandest stage of them all. The granddaddy. Uh, I will be at least a little bit annoyed to have to miss WrestleMania for a G League playoff game. But it is the job. Yeah, you chose it for some reason. Yeah, I will survive and uh, have WrestleMania spoil for me and watch it. Um, You're not going to watch it live either. You'll be at Raptors Magic. Uh, We talked about this a little bit the other week. Are you? Is there anything you're especially excited for? Or do you have any big, bold predictions? Um, do I have any big, bold predictions? Let's Your see. Give hot takes. Give us the hot graps takes. <laughs> um, I think, I think the Miz holds on to the Intercontinental title. Is that a, Who is that a hot take? Who needs an Intercontinental title when you have a, a brand new child? Uh, I, I was just... I was just watching Raw because uh, I missed uh, wrestling while I was doing my job uh, traveling. And The Miz uh, providing commentary as like a reformed new father uh, who just wants to be a good role model was uh, some grade A work from uh, Mike, whatever his name is. Mazan. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, he is um, like... The best, probably the best promo guy in wrestling right now. If not yeah. the best, then he's like top five. But I think as interesting as a lot of the matches are, I don't think, you know, it seems pretty clear to me that Roman Reigns will beat Brock Lesnar. You mean Brock uh, Lesnar, uh, who got announced as returning to UFC last night? Yes. Uh, that The same. One and the same. Um, although I did get a, hick, a kick out of Paul Heyman ending his fake phone call on Raw by saying, and a happy Pesach to you. Uh, well, shout out to mean? all everybody. It's, it's the Hebrew name for Passover. Oh. Um, anyway, shout out to everybody celebrating Passover currently. Um, you know, Ronda Rousey will clearly get over as the phrasing goes. Uh, I think, you know, from uh, who will win standpoint, the two most interesting ones, uh, and I know that's not why you watch wrestling, uh, but the two most interesting matches would be the women's title with Charlotte and... uh, Asuka. I'm thinking, thank you. Uh, I was not ready to remember Asuka's name. And uh, as well, as well, the WWE Championship between Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, I, I could see that one going either way. Uh, and they should all, both should also be great matches. Yes, uh, great for for really good in ring performers. I have three bold predictions. For you. Prediction the first: 
Cedric Alexander against Mustafa Ali for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship on the pre-show is the match of the night. Hold. Those two guys are incredible. Mustafa Ali's promo work leading up to this has been amazing. And I know there's too much wrestling um, on this podcast for anyone who doesn't like wrestling. And then often within a week, even for people who do like wrestling, 205 Live has been really, really good lately. And Mustafa Ali and my close uh, personal tag team partner, Buddy Murphy, have been big, big reasons why. I continue to get consistent ats of people thinking that I am Buddy Murphy, the WWE wrestler. It's great. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that I didn't understand it last night, but yeah, now I do. Yeah, it happens all the time. I got congratulated for getting engaged to Alexa Bliss. I got told Hideo Itami is going to kick the shit out of me. Uh, it's good. I, I get them fairly regularly. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Blake. Yeah. Prediction the second. Yeah. Uh, Rusev wins the United States Championship on Rusev Day. <laughs> is, so is every, is every day Rusev Day? Yes. Or, happy Rusev uh, Day, by the way. I can't believe I forgot to wish you a happy Rusev Day off the top of the podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to exchange happy Rusev Day cards tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and prediction the third, uh, which... Doesn't feel good to feel this way, but Shane McMahon is totally turning on Daniel Bryan and aligning with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Oh, yeah. I, uh, that was a thought I had last week. Yeah. It's the most obvious McMahon schmoz thing and get Daniel Bryan even more babyface fire upon his return. Yeah. Definitely happening. That would do it. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Do you have any other... What? Not, not much has been going on in TV. Riverdale is completely off the rails still. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, after that really good first episode, has taken a little bit to catch up to speed. Although Sterling K. Brown on this week's episode was excellent. Did yeah, I, I've, I've missed, like, I've missed everything since uh, since Friday. So uh, I have not really watched any new television. Whenever I'm on the road, uh, I mean, partly as a product of me watching a lot of things with my girlfriend habitually, um, but also... Like, when I'm on the road, I just end up watching the eight ESPN channels a lot. Uh, I end up watching, like, far more sports than I do in my normal life, such as it is. That's fair. Okay. I think it's because I, 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 get, have a, I have a girlfriend. I don't stay up till 4 a.m. watching stuff alone every night of the week because, yeah. That was the humble brag that was, uh, was intended uh, I think the actual reason is because I'm too lazy to learn all the channel numbers uh, on on new televisions uh, in different cities. So, uh, you know, you just stick with like 11 through 16 and you watch some sprats. There you go. So you have no uh, takes then. We're also 40 minutes in. We don't need to have any more takes. I watched, just... uh, I watched the new ESPN morning show, Get Up. Uh, Tigers at one over, by the way. Um uh, Two bogeys in a row. Uh, Get up with Michelle Beadle, Jalen Rose, and Mike Greenberg. Uh, and it is like every other ESPN morning show that I've seen. Cool. It's not like hot takey, but, you know, it's just the same format going over the Sports Center top 10, your um, sort of sports. Uh, your, you know, viral moment of the day, your big matchups. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel different in any meaningful way. Uh, oh, so, so I my, watch a lot of ESPN. Because yeah, I no, I, I, again, I only do when I'm on the road. So I will say though, I watched back the game when I was doing my rewatch this morning of Raptor Celtics, uh, the ESPN, it was obviously on ESPN last night and Doris Burke is a treasure. 
Yeah. She's she should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. They should do that. Didn't that... Wait. I, for, I always forget how it works. They're not inducted over Final Four weekend. They just get, like, confirmed that they're going in, right? Correct. One is the actual ceremonies in the I, summer. I don't remember. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I think she... I think they, they announced broadcasters at a separate time. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Eric, four games left. We're not going to talk to anyone before the regular season ends because I don't really think there's going to be a lot to talk about coming yeah, out of an Orlando-Detroit back-to-back with one regular season game left. If there's an emergency, uh, we will do an emergency yes. pod. When Malcolm Miller gets his two-way converted to the 15th man slot on game 82, then we'll do an emergency pod. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, so other most more likely we'll talk to you Thursday or Friday of next week to tee up the first-round series. Uh, yeah. Cool. And to, to lament the 12.30 p.m. game one. I will be excited by that. I love it. I think it's great, and I think the fact that the Raptors have it every year, I don't understand why it's considered this giant disadvantage since they're the only ones used to playing it. Um, also, it's a nod of respect to the Toronto fan base that they can trust that the crowd will be good for a Saturday or Sunday early afternoon game. Oh, you want to hear my actual hot take? Sure. And this isn't going to make people very happy. The Raptors fans have not been good lately. Um, They're doing a little the too arena, much. In the, in the arena. Oh, I thought you meant just in general, where they no. have been doing a little too much as well. No, in the arena, it's just quiet. And it stood out. In, uh, and look, the, the playoff crowds are awesome. Like, the rap, the noise... As I've often said, when Darren Williams was shooting those free throws against the Nets, like, that's the loudest building... I've ever been in for a sports event and I, and I was there for the Jose Batista Homer. I believe it was louder than that. Um, but like comparing it to the Boston crowd on Saturday and the Cleveland crowd on Tuesday, like the, it's just quieter and you can talk about game ops or you can talk about whatever, but that thing you, you rarely get in the regular season for Raptors fans is like when the other teams on a six or eight Oh run, like there's very rarely that like come on let's go guys we're behind you sort of cheer and you hear that in Boston you hear it in Portland you hear it in Golden State and um, so I, I think I don't know is this like Winfield wants noise for 2018? I don't know. I think the uh, Raptors fans are just as in kind of chill mode as the Raptors have been lately and they'll be I th- yeah I, I think that's fair but. You know, so all I'm saying is certain fan bases are don't get in chill mode for 41 game for ever in a 41 game season. Well, Raptors fans, fat and sassy, Eric. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bad fans. There you I'm go. Not say- I'm not I'm saying. I'm not saying. I'm going to cut this part of the the podcast out. Raptors fans are good. They just uh, the intensity has been lacking over the last few. Uh, Maybe a month or so. I will say this. The Raptors since the Houston listen... game. The Houston game was awesome. And yeah. since then, it's just been like, we're going to chill out. Yeah. Shout out to Daniel Caesar at the game last night, too. But that I didn't see him. Good. Ah, he was there. Mm, cool. He's very good. Uh, yeah, so uh, to to your point, Raptors fans are bad. But uh, the Raptors <laughs> fans who listen to Raptors Reasonable podcast are, you know, the best of that bad group, obviously. Yeah, they're still bad, though. Yes. 
I'm never not going to pander to the people who pay my bills. Although this podcast is free. You guys do. Subscribe to The Athletic Toronto, you jerks, if you don't already. Yeah, and through only Blake stories. Yeah, that uh, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but it at least makes Eric look bad, which is just as important as making me look good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Thanks. Eric. Uh, well, I'll see you. I'll see you again Friday, but uh, we will talk to you on this podcast next week when the Toronto Raptors know their first round opponent. You have yourself a, a wonderful weekend with the Indiana, Orlando, and Detroit games. Thanks, Blake. And uh, WrestleMania. I hope you have your yeah. WrestleMania moment. Is just like. File right on deadline with a great story off of that magic game. Get home just in time to, to stream the main event. I hope it all works out for you. Thanks. If not, I'll just uh, I'll jump off the media seating and, and deliver a flying elbow to some unsuspecting fan. There you go. The boyhood dream. Finish up your job <laughs> just in time to get to watch one match of WrestleMania. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I thought of when I was uh, but a little boy. All right, Eric. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya. If only to be a reasonable man.